talked about that, how in the different phases of our life, how God uniquely and uh, just for us stirs up our nest and how that to move us to the place that he wants us to be. You know, we talked about how that mother eagle has to stir the nest up for that eaglet to, to get out of the nest, to get to the next phase in life so that eagle can learn a new skill called flying and how she nudges that eagle <coughs> out of the nest. And we looked at this through the life of Moses. It was Moses <coughs> who said that in the book of Deuteronomy 32. He's in the song of Moses. They're about to go into the promised land. He's looking back over the uh, corridor of history of his life and and he says, man, God, you stirred up my nest. Moses was 120 years old and uh, at this time in his life and he's looking back and he says, God, you were there each and every step of the way. And sometimes just like that mother eagle has to stir up her nest to get that eaglet to where it's destined to be, God, you do the same thing in my life. And We've looked at several sermons in this series dealing with the nest of uh, conflict, the nest of status quo, the nest of refuge. And today I want us to look at the nest of victory, the nest of victory. Because you see, <clears throat> the reason God stirs up our nest is because he is trying to move us to be who we were destined to be. If you have your Bible, let's continue looking at the life of Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 12 and verse 29. Exodus 12 and verse 29. So as we turn here and begin to read this today, God uh, says some unique things to us and uh, really moves in our hearts and our lives as we read these passages of Scripture. So well, let's look at verse 21. Then Moses called together all the elders of Israel. And said to them, go and select an animal from the flock according to your families. And slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a cluster of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And brush the lintel and the two doorposts. And some of the blood will be in the basin. And none of you may go out the door of this house until the morning. When the Lord passes through the night, he will strike Egypt. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over you and not let the destroyer enter into your house and to strike you. Keep this commandment permanently and give it to your descendants when you get to the land that I have promised you. So Moses uh, had this promise from God that they were to keep the Passover. He's about 80 years old. Now another 40 years have passed. When he recites that verse out of the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 11, and says, as the eagle stirs up her nest and hovers over her young, so the Lord has his way in our life. Now go with me, if you would, at verse 29. It says, now in midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of the livestock. And during the night, Pharaoh got up, and he, along with all the officials and the Egyptians, and there was loud wailing throughout Egypt, because there wasn't a house that someone was not dead in. And he summoned Moses and Aaron during the night and said, Get up and leave with my people, 
both you and the Israelites, and go and worship the Lord as you have asked. Take even your flocks and your herds as you have asked, and leave, and this will also be a blessing to me. Now the Egyptians pressured the people in order to send them out quickly. And on the contrary, they said, we're all going to die. Get out of here. In verse 34, so the people took their dough before it was leavened, and they took their kneading bowls, and they wrapped it up in their claws and put it on their shoulder. And the Israelites acted on Moses' word. And they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and clothing, and the Lord gave the people such favor in the sight of the Egyptians. As we look at this, we want to talk about the nest of victory. Because you see... God was moving to bringing his people out, to bringing them out. He had to bring them out of Egypt so that he could bring them into the land that he had promised for them. We've been singing that song each week. He brought us out to bring us in. And in each one of our hearts and our lives, many times that's exactly what God is doing. He is trying to bring us out of a certain place, out of a certain area, so that he can bring us into the place that he wants us to be. As the eagle stirs up her nest and hovers over her young, so the Lord has his way in our life. You see, many times God is stirring up our nest because he is trying to get us to the place of victory but we are so settled into the nest of status quo to the good life that we're living that we are willing to trade our destiny, our plan, our purpose, and our will. We are willing to sell out our soul design for the nest of status quo. God did not create us for status quo. He created us to live a life of victory. And that victory can only come through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And in this passage of Scripture, God begins to move in the life of Moses. You remember, we've been walking in his sandals now for over six weeks. We looked at him running away from Egypt, running towards Midian, and then to the backside of a wilderness, and now the backside of a wilderness, all the way to a land called Egypt. They've been through the 12 plagues. We skipped over them. He went to Pharaoh and said, let the people of God go. And Pharaoh was unwilling to let the people of God go. And God sent plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. And finally, he comes to the last one, the death angel. And so he tells the children of Israel, he says, here's what he tells them about the nest of victory. In order to accomplish the victory that God has created for each and every one of your lives, we must be present. You ever heard that? You ever bought something? You ever, anybody ever suckled, suckered you in for a raffle ticket and, or something? And then at the bottom it says, you must be present to win. You ever seen that on a, something you bought? You must be present to win. In order to get the victory that God wants in your life is you must be present. You must show up. I know what you're thinking. Oh, this is where you're going to try to manipulate us into always being at church for everything. No, I'm just saying you need to stand up and be accounted for where God wants you to be in your life. For what God's trying to do in your life. You must be present. And this passage of scripture, look at it in verse 1. It says in chapter 12, in verse 1, as we are reading this, he lays it out. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, in the land of Egypt, where was they trying to get the victory? Over Egypt. 
They had to be in the land to be victorious to come out of it. Moses and Aaron had to come from outside of the land and walk into heartache, walk into adversity, walk into bondage, walk into affliction to be in the place where God's children was so that they could bring them out so that God might bring them in. They had to show up and be present. They were in the land of Egypt. God was doing something unique in their life right here. As we think about this, they were in the land of Egypt, but God was wanting to bring them to the land flowing of milk and honey. God was wanting to bring them to the place that he had designed for them, the place that God had uniquely laid out for them. In our lives, we need to be present. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and it seemed like they weren't there? They were physically there, but they were somewhere else, psychologically, emotionally, and they were not picking up where you were putting down. You ever been there? How many times are we that, like that with the Lord? We're so busy kicking against the thorns and the thistles and the nest that he's stirring up our nest of status quo that we're not present to get the instruction that he's laying out. For us to obtain the nest of victory, not only must you be present, but you must participate. The Bible says this in verse 2 through 3. This is the month. This month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must, they must each select a lamb for their household. If a household is too small for an animal, then that person can get with the neighbor nearest to his house and they can share a lamb. They had to participate. They had to participate to obtain the victory. A lot of people want victory. A lot of people want victory in their life, but they don't want to participate in it. We live in a society today that wants everything right now. And we're thinking about it in the worldly sense. We have children that graduate from high school and move into college. They finish college and they think they should have everything that mom and dad has. And it took them their whole life to attain. What do you mean i got to do 30 years to get that? What do you mean? And it's the same way in our spiritual journey. In our spiritual journey we're the exact same way. We're at this place where we're thinking, God, I want it now. Lord, I want the victory now. God, I want to arrive now. Do you realize it took Moses 120 years to get to the place of entering into the promised land? This is one of the verses in the Bible that I really don't like. It's one of my least favorite verses, if I could just be honest, from the bottom of my heart. Where it says, a day is of a thousand years to God and a thousand years as, as one day. So when we've lived a thousand years, it'd be one day to God. When we live one day, it's like a thousand years to God. And we're thinking, God, you got to do it now. Oh my goodness, Lord, I'm 43 years old. You better make this happen. Lord, if you don't make it happen now, it's probably not going to happen. Oh Lord, oh, everything's rolling downhill. We don't happen when it doesn't happen when we think it should happen. We disengage. 
But God says you must participate. What's interesting about this Passover is he says, this is the moment of new beginnings for you. I want you to reset your calendar. He says, this is when your calendar is going to begin. This is when it's going to begin right here. It's going to start all over for you. It's going to start all over. In the middle of the year, okay? We're going to start this thing all over. Because this is the day that I'm bringing you out to bring you in. I'm doing something unique in your life. you got to show up and participate. When you look at this, he shows a lamb, the lamb, and your lamb. When you walk through this chapter 12, that's the progression of it. He says you must select a lamb, and then you must sacrifice the lamb, and then it becomes your lamb. A, the, and your, the difference. What a difference the progression of Scripture makes. He says if your home is too small, then you find a neighbor and share it with, but everyone has to participate. He looked at this and says, one lamb for one man, one lamb for one household, one lamb for one nation, one lamb for mankind. Each and every person had to walk through this. One must not only participate, one must not only be present to win, but they must obey the guidelines. In verses 5 through 11, he lays it out very clearly what they're to do with the animal, how they're to progress through this. The lamb must be without blemish. It must be one year old. You must keep it until the 14th day of the month. And then the whole assembly and the community will make the sacrifice. And then you must take the blood and you must put it on the lentil. And you must put it on the doorpost. And then you're to go in. You're to go in the home and no one's to leave the home until morning light. You must be under the covering of the blood of the Passover lamb. He lays it out for them. He says, this is the guidelines. You must participate. You must obey the guidelines. You know how hard that is? You know how hard it is to obey the guidelines? Very. Very. Lord, you want... Man. We just painted that doorpost. We just cleaned the lentil. And you want us to put blood on it? You want us to take the lamb from our flock that is a provision for our life? And you want us to kill it? We don't even have enough money for a lamb. You want us to pool together with our neighbor and use resources that we don't have? To acquire a lamb that's not ours, to become ours, that we can kill it? Really? Really, Lord? You have to obey the guidelines. It had to be without blemish. Everyone had to participate, the whole congregation. You had to apply the bud, you had to eat the Passover. But the coolest thing about this whole thing, the coolest thing, is he says, 
you must eat the Passover with your shoes on. Well, God has a unique thing about details. If you don't believe me, just look around the room. Last week, he told Moses, take your shoes off. This week, he says, put your shoes on, and you may want to cinch them up. I want you to eat the Passover with your shoes on, because I'm about to do something. I'm about to bring you out, and I don't want you to have to go back. I mean, you ever get ready to leave? You got the kids all lined up and dressed, and before you know it, some of them done took their shoes off, and now you're on a scavenger hunt, it seems like. You're looking for the shoes in the house, or you ever want to get out at the store, and your kids don't have their shoes on, and you're pilfering through the car, and you're like, where'd they go? The car is just this big. How could they have disappeared? Last night, I had Bradley, we went to Sam's, and then we went home, and when we got home, he only had one shoe on. Chrissy said, is the shoe in the car? I said, I don't know. Is it at Sam's? I don't know. I just realized he only had one shoe. You ever try to look for shoes of your children? It's a task. He says, I want you to have your sandals on. I want them to be cinched up. I want you to eat the Passover with your shoes on. And I want you to be ready to go. Thank God's not into details. And then he says, not only must we be present to win, not only must we participate, not only must we obey the guidelines, not only must we do these things, but we must realize the victory is greater than we are. And about midnight, the death angel passed over, and from the firstborn in Pharaoh's house to the firstborn in the dungeon, the death angel touched down where there was no blood. Interesting dynamic is this. That come morning they were like, get out of here before he kills us all. Get out of here. And not only did they get out of there, but they left with wealth in their hands. He get, they gave them silver and gold, things to travel with. They grabbed their kneading bowls and they took off. And they went to the wilderness in the middle of the wilderness to worship. God was doing something unique. As we walk through this, we must realize a couple of things. This is the Old Testament principle of the life of Moses. And Moses was at the place where God was wanting to bring him to the victory. And God is wanting to move us to the nest of victory, from the nest of status quo to the nest of victory. God is wanting to do something unique in our hearts and our lives. But we've got to be willing to show up. We've got to be willing to be present. We've got to be willing to participate. We've got to be willing to compete according to the guidelines. And we've got to be willing to realize that if it's something we can pull off, then it's not God-sized. Think about it. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. Jesus was fully engaged when he was born in the manger, when he lived as a boy, when he grew up in the carpenter shop, when he became a young man, when he started his ministry, he was fully engaged. 
He fully participated as a baby. He participated as a boy. He participated as a young man. And he participated as a king on the cross when he laid down his life. He was completely engaged. He knew why he was here. And he never faltered. He competed according to the rules. He walked it out. Even when he was tempted, when he struggled, when he walked through adversity, when he went through all of these things, he never, ever faltered. Never faltered. Satan tempted him face to face, and he never faltered. He never, ever faltered. And because of that, he gained the ultimate victory. Today you woke up and you looked at life differently because it's Easter Sunday. What a difference Sunday makes. What a difference Sunday makes after a long weekend. For you see, Jesus rose up from the grave and he came in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 and says, O grave, where is thy victory? O hell, where is thy sting? God's doing something unique in our hearts and lives. Death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus was present. He showed up. And he lived a life according to the will of God. He died according to the will of God. We looked at it last night. He says, it was for this hour that I was born. It's for this reason to glorify God. To glorify God. Jesus was present. He was present in Pilate's hall. He was present at the scourging post. He was present on the Via Della Rosa. He was present when they nailed him to the cross. He was present when he gave up his life. He was present when they took his body off of the cross. He was present in the body when they laid him in the tomb. And can I tell you, he was present on that great getting up morning when he defeated death, hell, and the grave and gave us life and gave it to us more abundantly. Jesus paved the pathway of victory. Moses walked out a picture of of what things would look like thousands of years to come. Jesus became the one lamb for the one man, for the one woman, for the one family, for every nation, for every tribe, for every people, no matter where we are from. Jesus became the lamb, the great supreme substitute and laid down his life for us and we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. And if you want Jesus... You must take the lamb, blood, and all. I remember when I was a boy in the little hymn book, New Songs of Inspiration, Volume 12. There was a song in there that said, When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When Jesus sees the blood, he calls us his own. Oh, yes. Had there never been a Friday, there had never been a Sunday. Had there never been a death, there had never been a resurrection. 
And maybe, just maybe, the thing that God is stirring up in your life is moving you from the place of complacency to the place you were designed to be. Moses wasn't designed to live in Pharaoh's palace. That was training. Moses wasn't designed to live in Midian. That was training. Moses wasn't designed to live on the backside of a mountain. That was training. Moses wasn't designed to live life in neutral. Moses was designed to be in the place where God saved him as a baby boy, sailed that little reed vessel down the alligator-infested waters into Pharaoh's daughter's arms, brought them to safety. Moses was designed, Moses was set apart to bring the children of God out that he might bring them in. Jesus came down that he might bring us up to be with him if we would give our hearts and our lives and cling to the promise of him and compete according to his rules, which is that we must deny ourselves, accept the finished work of Calvary, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and allow him to be Lord of our life. Today, have you done that? Have you accepted the finished work of Calvary? Have you accepted it? Have you claimed him for your own? Have you given it all to Jesus? Have you given it all to Jesus? Give it all. Give it. Father, thank you for the victory. Thank you for 1 Corinthians 15, 57 that says, But thanks be the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, may today we worship at your altar as saints, thanking you for the life you lived, the death you died, and the grave you conquered. May we worship you today that God, the same way Moses was obedient, you were obedient. You resisted temptation. You overcame the flesh. You were tempted as we are, Lord, in every point but without sin. Lord, today, may you move in our hearts and lives. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, God, may you have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name.